when I sit at your listing appointment, I say, Hey, look, Mike, you know, I can't wait to work with you. I'm so excited. And you know, I'm going to take great care of you, right? Here's the thing. So my schedule is I get in the office about seven thirty, eight o'clock after I drop off my kids for school. And now my husband helps as well. Cause luckily he's home still. Right. And I'm in the office until about four, four thirty. After that, between four and eight, eight thirty, I'm mom. So I'm probably going to be unavailable. I do keep a couple evening appointments a week open. Now, do I fill them all the time? No, I probably fill one of them because I also volunteer in the Ladies Auxiliary. I've got all my kids' events. Um, but I'm unavailable between four and eight. Is that okay with you? And they might say, oh, no. And I say, because here's the thing, you know, at a doctor's office, you get to pick what time you get to see that surgeon. And they say, no. I said, that's right, because you want to get the best, correct? And they said, yes. And I said, and here's the thing, I am the best. And I'm not saying that cocky, I'm saying that with confidence. And if I take care of myself and I take care of the business, you're going to get the best service you deserve. Now, don't you owe it to yourself to do that? So they seem very happy with that. And I see, Jess, nobody should work 24 hours a day. I said, I get that. And that's not what I want to do either. But here's the thing. When my kids do go to bed, my commitment to you is this. If there's something left hanging that I owe you, whether it's a phone call back and I haven't done it by four, or a text, or we're negotiating, you're not gonna stop hearing from me until I go to bed. Is that okay with you? Yes, great, perfect. I'm not gonna call you after 9.30, by the way. Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent, and welcome to Success Calls. This month's top agent is Jessica Starr with Keller Williams in Simsbury, Connecticut. Last year, she closed 176 transactions with a total sales volume of $38 million. Her average sales price was $215,000 of which 55% were buyers and 45% were sellers. She has a six-member team. Welcome to the call, Jessica. Thanks for having me. Hey, Jessica, it's great to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us today. Now, before we talk about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Sure, so I was a uh, DJ, I waitressed, and I also did sales and marketing for a small internet startup company. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so a, a DJ, you were spinning records. Yeah. You know, I went to school for radio and television communications and mass communications. And that's what I did. So I worked as a country music D DJ on the weekends. I was a morning show producer for one of the top stations here in Hartford, Connecticut. And um, it was great. I loved doing it. I helped with that for five years. And then I said, you know what? Nobody's going to tell me how much money I'm going to make. I'm not going to work nights and weekends. And I got into real estate. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why you got, I was wondering why you made the transition from, uh, from whatever you were doing before, but into real estate. And so it sounds like uh, you just wanted to, you, there was maybe a cap or a ceiling on your income. Yes, definite ceiling. The benefits were great. You got to meet amazing people. You got to do amazing things. And yet there was a cap as to how much you could make or the location you could be in. And I know I wanted to stay in the same area. I loved where I had grown up. I had married my high school sweetheart, live in the town we grew up in. And I knew that if I wanted to be successful in radio, I would have to go to a major market. And that would involve moving out of the area. And I have a lot of family here. So at that point, we wanted to start a family. And it just wasn't the thing that was seeming like the wise decision. Well, tell me about that first year in real estate. First of all, did you go full-time or part-time? So I had gone part-time because um, I had done it when my husband would get home. And I had little babies. I, did, I killed it that first year. I did two condos that were $140,000 a piece. <laughs> killed it. <laughs> so so you've got, you had two sales the first year. Two. Yeah, and did, well, did did you feel that that was successful or not? I mean, you because you were juggling yeah. a lot at the time. Yeah, so juggling a lot, and you know, I had a part time job as well. I had an infant. Um, we have four kids, and I knew that I just needed to stay the course and keep doing it. And I luckily was the one that realized that it was slow and steady, and kind of the story of compound interest. 
where the more contacts I made, it was a contact sport. Um, and I knew I grew up here, so I had a huge database. I was really young. I started at 23. And, um, you know, it's tough when you tell people, hey, you know, I sell real estate. They ask where you live, and currently you're a house parent at an all-girls school. So you don't even own a house. <laughs> <laughs> First, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. So, you know, I would tell people, I'm like a dentist without teeth. I don't own a house yet myself, and I'm planning on getting there. So eventually, obviously, you know, those sales kept doubling and doubling. The next year, I did 11 deals. I had four babies in between and took about at least three months off with each of them, if not longer, um, because that was crucial for us. And, um, you know, by year seven, I switched companies from Prudential, which is now Berkshire Hathaway here, to Keller Williams, and it was life-changing. Um, my business went up. I left as their number one agent in Simsbury doing about 40, 45 homes as a single agent, but I was miserable. I was not, um, I was not present when I was at an event. I was always on my phone. I was running out. I, you know, I, at kids' events, I wasn't present. I was missing the, you know, the play for baseball and soccer and I'd have to run out or I'd be on my phone and my friends wouldn't understand how sales is. I mean, we tell everybody, if you get that lead, somebody else is going to get it if you don't get to them. So, and I knew there had to be a better way. And then I found Keller Williams. And for me, it was life changing. They taught me how to time block and it was like a light had been shed on my life. And I started being more present in my circles with friends and um, with my family. And then after six months with them, um, my business started going up and up. And that first year went up 114%. And so from 5.6 million, I did 13 million. Um, I think if I have those numbers correct, but it was about 13 million, maybe just shy. And um, that was great because during that time, I also found out I was pregnant with our third. And my husband had a traumatic accident at work uh, five months in. So we had one of those most, the most beautiful days ever. Nothing happened. That was amazing. It just was a 70 degree day. We found out we were having another baby we hadn't expected. It was our third. And then we just hung out all day, you know, on the hammock. It was like March and beautiful. And that never happens here in Connecticut. And the next day I got a call from my husband and he had fallen. He did heating and air conditioning. He was also a volunteer firefighter, but he happened to be working on a firehouse. And he had fallen 16 feet out of a firehouse ceiling and broke his back. So, new company, newly pregnant, not knowing what's going to happen. It was insane. But because of the systems and tools I've learned, it's been life-altering and changing. Business has gone up and up. And the best year we've had was 2016 with $45 million in sales and 191 homes. So. So I have to ask, how's your husband now? What happened after that? Well, sometimes these things happen because it's a lesson to either slow down or there's a, there's a reason for it. And you're meant to teach others the lessons you learn along the way. There's always things you can be grateful for. So, you know, it was so scary. And he was our major breadwinner in my mind at the time because I didn't realize how much I made even. I didn't realize I should be tracking these numbers. I did sales. I was good at sales. So I, he stayed home for that first year. They finally cleared him to go back. I had the baby. It was our daughter, our only girl. And um, it was great because once they cleared him to go back, because of the business that I was able to do, and because he was home, I became like mama bear and just took over. I was able to say to him, babe, I need you to tell me the answer you want to say, not the answer you think I want to hear. Do you want to go back to work? Or do you want to stay home with our kids? Because I had been home. None of our kids have ever been in daycare. So that's huge. Um, and we wanted to raise them. We had them. So we wanted to be with them, right? We figured we could give them the best values, hopefully. So why not be with them? And luckily, because he is a strong and confident guy, and we've been together since high school, he said, you know what? I, I don't want to go back to work there. I know that, at least. And 
I think maybe I'd like to stay home and, you know, maybe I'll, I'll help raise our daughter until she goes to kindergarten and then come back. And we happen to have another one after that, but that was it. So <laughs> he's been wonderful. And he actually ended up becoming a stay at home dad. And he's kind of our right hand guy anytime we need anything done because super handy. So, you know, Hey, I need this furnace fixed real quick. Would you mind just doing that? So this walkthrough goes through okay for me or, you know, so he, he does a ton of stuff for the team whenever my on-call guy that I need. Oh, that is fantastic. So, so it's you and you said you have four kids. You've been juggling four kids with your yep. career uh, and your husband's recovery. There's a lot going on there. How a did lot. you keep balancing all your business has taken off? How did you keep that all balanced there? <laughs> How did you try to keep just straight? Yeah, it's tough. Well, and you know, that's, that's not the only thing I had a very ill parent for a year. Um, that happened as well. So I think my story can help a lot of people. And I think the bonus to it, you know, we can look at production and production is great, right guys. But production doesn't mean anything if you're not profitable, right? So all these people with their fancy cars and, and their fancy clothes and everything they want to show you doesn't mean they're successful. That means that's what they're showing you, right? When you're profitable, you can do wonderful things and people don't necessarily have to know it. My father was sick for over a year. I was able to help them pay for flights, hotels, funeral, anything I could do. And because of the systems and tools I learned, um, you know, I would fly out probably every month, every other month. He was flown from Hartford to the Cleveland Clinic because it was that severe. And he had a bad surgery and he got an infection and he had to be flown out to the Cleveland Clinic. So I knew my database was my biggest source of business. I would love on them. I would use social media for it follow up with them, kind of be a resource for anything they needed, whether it was a contractor, I'd say, you know what, you call this contractor, they'll call you back in 24 hours, they'll give you a good price, you say my name, and if they don't, you better call me back so I can talk to them. So creating those relationships for them were huge, but when I had this happen with my dad, my dad was my person. So I literally couldn't call my database because everybody would say, Jess, how you doing? And that, for somebody that's super outgoing, is a really tough question to not crumble under. So the lesson in it for me was, we have this class at Keller Williams called Bold. And Bold was amazing because it teaches you the scripts and dialogues to call expired listings. I had taken it multiple times and I had, you know, dabbled in the expires, but I hadn't really mastered my scripts or really called them because quite frankly, my database did the job. So when I was out at the Cleveland Clinic with my dad, when he would fall asleep and my mom and my brother would go out and you know go grab a bite to eat i would pick up my computer and i would call expired listings from his bedroom his hospital room and i would take listings standing in his bathroom and say look i've never seen your home i can have one of my team members go and preview it for me i know your neighborhood like the back of my hand i see everything right here I'll, i'd be willing to see it on this date here's what i think we need to do and i took more listings never seeing the listing <laughs> and I didn't think it was possible, but I had a friend, Jill Giese from Idaho, challenge me and say, why do you have to go to every listing? And I thought, she said it. I mean, maybe that's a possibility. So I thought differently. I called the expireds because nobody would ask me how I was doing. Wow. It was a lot easier. So when you're in these situations, my lesson from this is how can you think differently to still get business? My team essentially fired me so I could go be with my family because they knew how important it was. And they said, Jess, if this was us, you would have told us to go a long time ago. We got it. But I was the biggest lead generator on the team. So I knew I couldn't let them down and I had to do something. So it sounds to me like you, you found you know, this word balance is kind of a, a, an interesting word. It basically means that you have the flexibility to do what you need to do when you need to do it. And it sounds to me like you did a couple things to make that happen. One, you had time blocking, and two, you uh, put a, a team in place that yes. could help balance some of this, these uh, requirements of your time out. Does that sound correct? Absolutely. And, you know, even talking to the agent that's the new agent or that's an agent without a team, you know, you might not have a buyer's agent or you might not have an admin. There's ways that you can leverage yourself through other people. You can do per contract transaction coordinators. You could very easily ask somebody in the office to help you with showings because, you know, we all have these things that come up in life and we're just not thinking differently. We panic. We let our business go down and then we have to make it up later, right? 
But people get sick, people pass away, people get divorced, these things happen to us and to our clients. So we have to remember this. And sometimes we're put through these lessons so that we are there to teach and guide people when they are served that lesson as well. So that's, that's my biggest takeaway from it. And it's helped and it served me so well. I have a lot of people I've helped, especially recently that I've lost parents. And when I say I understand and I know how hard this is, they, they literally can feel it. You know, it's hard not to get teary talking to them myself. So it's, it's a big deal. Sure. Well, let me, let me do this. I, I want people to get a, a clear picture of where you are and what you've done. So I'm going to do a quick, quick speed round. So sure. first question for you is, how long have you been in real estate? 15 years. Almost 15 15. years. That's great. And uh, how many homes did you sell last year and what was the sales volume? Um, it was last year was 176. We dipped. It was our second best year at 38 million. And when was your best year and what was the, the sales units and volume of that year? That was 2016. It was 45 million and 191 units. <laughs> That's great. And and if I remember your story from what you just told us, basically before you made the transition, you were selling about 40, 45 homes on your own? Yes. And did you have an assistant when you were doing that or were you doing that strictly on your own? By, I had done it all on my own. By the time I left Prudential and came here, I hired somebody to come with me. So they weren't with me at Prudential. Um, and I paid them $200 a transaction. Ah, they were, they were purely on that <laughs> bonus. There was no base. So guys, think differently. You could get a virtual assistant for six to eight bucks an hour that's in the Philippines. You could get somebody and you pay them when the transaction closes. So it behooves them to help you get that transaction closed, right? Absolutely. So you have to think a little differently. And did you say, I just, again, a clarification. Did you say that when you went over to Keller Williams that your production basically doubled? You went from maybe 40 to 80 closings? Um, it went up 114%. So yeah, I was at, I think... 5.6 million in sales and it was just shy of 13 million. I closed that first year. That's also becoming pregnant and um, having a traumatic accident with my husband. And by the end, by September, I hired a buyer's agent, but she had only closed two deals by the end of the year. So I did that almost myself. So you basically were doubling uh, because of the new environment. You, you, uh, you yeah. had an assistant now that was helping out with paperwork, I assume, and that was freeing you up to talk to more people. Yep, $200. Uh, and then you learned time blocking as well, I think you mentioned. The time blocking was key. So the biggest thing, and I actually teach a class on this now called Present Over Perfect. And it, it's, it can be a seminar. It can be a class. Um, honestly, I think it'd be better to be uh, – full day seminar because there's so many parts that you can work with it. Um, but first, you know, one of the things we do first is say, okay, hey, when is date night? I looked at the environment that I was in and I didn't like it at my old company because there's a lot of divorce days. There's a lot of, and the makeup and the age range was a lot older and that's fine, but it just wasn't a fit for me. I married my high school sweetheart and I, that, I take that very seriously. So my mom and dad showed us how to love each other well. So I wanted to make sure that was our number one priority. So date night was key. And that's in my calendar first. Every Sunday night is date night. You know why, guys? Because it's a weeknight. Somebody takes the burden of getting the kids to bed for us, which is huge. It's also a night where happy hour runs longer at the, the high-end restaurant that serves great food. So we go there, we get a better deal because I like a deal. So <laughs> it's great. And then, um, and somebody takes care of bedtime. So we can also plan. And if you do it on a Friday night or you do it on a Saturday, well, you're probably going to say no to somebody's birthday party or a friend's event or something like that. But this is just the time for just my husband and I. This is not to bring another couple. It's just us because we get to talk about, hey, do we want to buy another investment property? Where do we want to go on vacation? What are our big plans and our goals? That's what we talk about. So it's kind of exciting. And so, you reconnect. It's just the two of you. Yeah, it's huge. So we love that. And then, and our kids know it. So when we don't have date night, cause something, you know, messed it up somehow, the kids are like, mom and dad, you have to go. It's date night. It's just huge. <laughs> so, so you're teaching we them that. as well. You're modeling. Yeah. yeah. Um, what else went into your, your plan? Did you plan it your week then? So yeah, date night, that goes in first. What else were the big rocks you wanted to make sure they got in there? 5.30 in the morning, four days a week, I go to the gym. For 45 minutes, I work out. I do my gratitude, affirmations, and journaling. 
I meditate 15 minutes in the morning and 15 minutes to half an hour at night before I go to bed. I don't watch very much TV. I don't have a lot of time for that, <laughs> especially with four kids. And I, by the way, take them to every one of their events and I'm not on my phone. Um, and by the way, the reason I can do this is because I have amazing clients. And by amazing clients, when I sit at your listing appointment, I say, hey, look, Mike, you know, I can't wait to work with you. I'm so excited. And you know I'm going to take great care of you, right? Here's the thing. So my schedule is I get in the office about 7.30, 8 o'clock after I drop off my kids for school. And now my husband helps as well because luckily he's home still, right? And I'm in the office until about 4, 4.30. After that, between 4 and 8, 8.30, I'm mom. So I'm probably going to be unavailable. I do keep a couple evening appointments a week open. Now, do I fill them all the time? No, I probably fill one of them because I also volunteer in the Ladies Auxiliary. I've got all my kids' events. Um, but I'm unavailable between four and eight. Is that okay with you? And they might say, oh, no. And I say, because here's the thing, you know, at a doctor's office, you get to pick what time you get to see that surgeon. And they say, no. I said, that's right, because you want to get the best, correct? And they said, yes. And I said, and here's the thing, I am the best. And I'm not saying that cocky, I'm saying that with confidence. And if I take care of myself and I take care of the business, you're going to get the best service you deserve. Now, don't you owe it to yourself to do that? So they seem very happy with that. And I see, Jess, nobody should work 24 hours a day. I said, I get that. And that's not what I want to do either. But here's the thing. When my kids do go to bed, my commitment to you is this. If there's something left hanging that I owe you, whether it's a phone call back and I haven't done it by four, or a text, or we're negotiating, you're not going to stop hearing from me until I go to bed. Is that okay with you? Yes, great, perfect. I'm not going to call you after 9.30, by the way. So, so you set up all those parameters right away. You have a nice uh, a dialogue, a, a script, if you will, that you've already yeah. prepared. And do you, I assume you do this at the beginning when you meet people, right, where, when they're hiring you uh, to help them sell or buy a home. Yep. It goes immediately at the buyer consult. It goes immediately at the listing appointment. Sometimes if I'm calling an expired and I set the appointment, I let them know right there. And by the way, guys, when you're setting appointments with people, you know, I pick up an expired and I call them and I say, great, you know, would a day or evening work better for you to get together? Instead of saying, oh, what day works for you? And then they pick and you scramble and you have to move your kids, whatever, or don't make gymnastics, right? No, I say, would a day or evening work better for you? And they pick, and I say, awesome. So now I've got Wednesday at 4. Would Friday at uh, 5 be better for you? But see, I've controlled my calendar, and somebody else isn't controlling it. And if they say, no, I'm sorry, Thursday at 7 works better. No, I'm so sorry, I'm unavailable. I have an appointment then. My appointment is with Boy Scouts, where I drop my son, but they don't need to know that. It's really good. So you've got the alternative clothes to make sure that they pick one of the options that you want. Right. Uh, it fits into your schedule. Right. Um, now on that schedule, tell us more about that. So, um, by the way, I really like how you fill out your schedule with the things that you want to get done first. You mentioned nothing but family and then you personally, and then you got into the business, which is pretty good. So well, but tell us more of those blocks. First. It's all about the big rocks first. So if you don't put, I don't know if you ever saw it, but this is part of my presentation and I've seen it before. So I, I'm totally R&Ding it, which, you know, they say, um, we call it here, rip off and duplicate. Uh, <laughs> so I'm R&Ding this, but you know, I've seen a, a presentation where somebody had a glass jar and they took rocks and they put the big rocks in that glass jar first. And those big rocks were things like health. They were things like your love and marriage, you know, the important things. Those are your big rocks. So you put those in first, right? That's what you're doing on your calendar. So the glass container is your calendar, okay, if you needed a visual. The big rocks are the important things. Well, then you would take some little pebbles, right, and you put those little pebbles in. Well, now, you know, for us, we could put listing appointments in. I know I have spots in my calendar for 12 listing appointments a week. Right? I've got one, three, and five p.m. on these these days, and I have one appointment on the weekend should I choose to use it, but typically I don't work weekends. And I also have a team now, so they will work on weekends, but I ask all of my team members to tell me what day off they want on the weekend because I don't want them working both days. So if they want to choose to do open houses, awesome. We want them to do open houses the same day they choose to show to buyers and sellers because I want them to have a life and build a life by design. That's huge. So 
then the other things you want to put in, okay, we have a team meeting, we need to put that in. You know, we need to put in when we're going to work out. I have afternoons on Fridays as self-love time because moms don't do self-love and I am just learning this. I, I started at 38. I'm going to be 40 next week and I learned this at 38. I've lost 85 pounds. So our numbers went down last year, but I lost 85 pounds. I have released them and feel so much better. <laughs> so it's all about that self-love. So putting in the, the workout time in there, taking the time to business plan and think. Too many of us work in the business. We don't work on the business. And Keller Williams has taught me all of this. I can't even take credit for any of it. This is all from the training I've had. And it's so amazing to me because I can't believe I didn't think like this, but now I think so big that it's just second nature. So in the afternoon on Fridays is when I plan, you know, client events. You can see all these bags and stuff behind me. We're doing a client event this weekend. We have one, we have two events planned a quarter, one community, one client, or one charity, a quarter that we do. And that's another way to touch the database, follow up with calls and, and you know, make sure we're touching our people all the time so they don't think of anybody else for real estate. So that's huge. So, you know, the glass jar, the big rocks, the little pebbles, and then you put the sand in to fill it and then you top it off with water. And, and I give examples of what all those things are, but the, the big rocks, it's just like if you had five glass balls, you can't drop those things. Once those drop, like your health, it takes so much longer to get those things back. And believe me, I know because I've been working on it. So um, I was trying to remember when we talked before, I think you mentioned that you had things that you do in the morning each morning. What are those things? Um, well, just like I said, it was, I work out um, four days a week minimum. Now I joined a slim down challenge at the Y and I figure it's easier to have teammates. I work better as a team when I can't let somebody else down. I got used to telling myself no and everybody else. Yes. The most successful people use their no to get even more successful. So I think it's important to learn how to use your no to say yes to yourself. Cause every time you say yes to somebody else, you're saying no to yourself and no to your family. So that's huge. On the business side, do you schedule in prospecting? And yes. if so, when? Oh, yeah. So in the morning, so workout, gratitude, affirmations, all that stuff, breakfast, get the kids off to school for, remember, get here by 7.30, 8 o'clock. We have our team huddle call between 8. Well, actually, and I, let me preface that. In between the 7.30 and 8 o'clock, I have two script partners as well for 15 minutes each. So as I'm dropping kids off to school, Hey, it's Jess Starr with Keller Williams Realty. Just giving you a quick buzz. I noticed your home showed up in our expired listing list. And then the next person goes. Then I roll to my next one. Eight o'clock is our team huddle call until 8.15. We talk about what we're going to do for the day, what our wins are, what our goals are, and if there's anything we can help each other with. Then at 8.15, I get on the phones and call expired listings, call my database until 10.30, 11 o'clock. Checking emails happens after. Negotiating happens after. Very nice. Very nice. And so you're making sure that the business of the business gets done, that you're getting out there and you're contacting people. You're doing it early in the morning so it doesn't slip away. You're doing it before emails so it doesn't, you don't get distracted. Yep. Pretty smart. You can get stuck in the email abyss forever. You could be on email all day long and then say, what did I do today? Or be stuck sur surfing and in social media. I don't care if you're on social media. You can even prospect there. As long as you're having a two-way conversation about real estate. Or, hey, you know, I was just checking on you. How's your dad feeling, Mike? I noticed that he was sick. You know, blah, blah, blah. And they'll always ask you, how's work? How are the kids? Oh, it's great. We're having this awesome client event. I wish you could make it. You know? Nice. So it's easy to pepper in without even thinking about it. Very good. Now, uh, I, we were talking before and we, I asked you to send me some information and you told me something I want to ask about. You said that you're the first millionaire, you're the first millionaire real estate agent in your market center. What does that mean? So it's a first, um, we were the first team to break a million dollars in gross commission income in the market center. So that's a big deal in Keller Williams world. <laughs> I think we we're at 1.2 million. That's fantastic. That yeah. 
Well, congratulations. Now that makes sense to me. So uh, as a team, you hit the GCI mark, the seven figures, the magic seven figures, and you went above that and you were the first one in your group. So that's, that's really cool. Now, There's what year was that, that that happened? How long had you been in business? Um, I had been in business since, well, 2004. So it was 2016. So 12 years. So about 12 years. Very good. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. What I'd like to do now, you've got a wealth of knowledge. I want to uh, switch gears here and talk about a lead generation and marketing. Uh, first of all, you've mentioned that you got pretty good at calling up expired listings and listing expireds. And um, could you tell us a couple of the key points that you've learned about how you're successful listing expireds? Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV. Real Estate Agent Lead Generation Television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search RealGTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. Well, I can tell you it's all about mindset first, just like anything in life, right? I remember... Um, when I was at a different company, I remember, you know, a, a few of the agents saying, oh, you know, the people that call expired, they're just bottom feeders and they're trying to get other people's listings and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, that's right. That's terrible. Because I was 23 when I started. I didn't know. And then I'd look at some of these listings and go, this is horrible. These agents did not tell them how to stage. They priced it terribly. The pictures they took with their cell phone and they're standing in the bathroom mirror like, the dog is all over the place. I mean, come on, these guys, these poor people are paying them how much money and the agents couldn't even spend money to market it or price it right or put care in it. So instead, I decided it's a KW lesson to come from curiosity and come from contribution. So I would call the expireds and I'd just say, hey, you know, I noticed your home had shown up in our expired listing list today and I was just curious to see when you planned on hiring the right agent to get your home sold. And, you know, that's probably a pretty brazen statement. And it's a script that's from the bold class at Keller Williams. And I didn't invent it. I just worked it really well. And, you know, anytime you learn a script, you make it your own. So sometimes you might hear some of these scripts and go, oh, you know, that's not me. It doesn't sound like me. Well, none of these sounded like me. But when you use them enough, it's going to sound like you because you're just having a two-way conversation. And you just have to think, like, there's somebody on the other end of this phone that needs my help. So when you call and you think of it that way, I mean, I'm a person that always wants to help people. And I know how much I appreciated it when people helped me when my dad was sick or my husband had his accident. And I thought to myself, what if this is my mom on the other end? And, you know, her husband is rushed to the hospital and they need to sell their house. And this person is, is handling it this way. They need a professional. They need me to take care of them. They need somebody to take care of them. So change your mindset around that first. That's step one. Step two Get a script partner and practice. There are plenty of people online that you can watch. You can YouTube it, even if you want. Keller Williams lets every agent from every company come to our training. We have great classes called Bold. I have taken Bold um, 15 times. I'm, I'm a slow learner. And um, I could teach the class now for sure. But here's the thing. It's all about mindset. It's about accountability. And it keeps me focused. And it makes me be an example for other people in the room. So I know when I'm doing that, I perform better. If I'm not doing that, you know, I'm like everybody else. Like, I kind of want to go have fun. <laughs> so I make sure I do that so I can perform better. And I make a commitment to my kids and I make a commitment to my team to do the best I can. So if I, if I want to do that, I, I have to do things. And I always am training and always am learning to do that. So make sure you plug into training and education. Um, you don't have to be at Keller Williams to come to our classes, which is a great thing. And anybody, if you want to reach out to me anytime, I'm more than happy to talk to you about any of the classes. I've taken almost all of them, I think, it feels like anyways. Um, and then, like I said, get a script partner because why do you want to practice on your clients? Why are we practicing on our clients? We have to all of a sudden change our mindset from thinking like realtors and start thinking like business owners. Start thinking like Let's say a football player and a team, right? The team has a coach. Do you have a coach? In order to be better, you probably need a coach, right? 
Every good player, every great player has a coach. Every great team has a playbook. You have systems created around all the things you do. So when we have a client event that we're doing like this weekend, we have a playbook created. Here's our playbook to do the corn maze client event. These are how many people we invited when we send the invites, when we call, the things we order, the, the marketing we do, the co-sponsors we have, what it's going to cost us. You know, these are all things you want to do. I know I'm shouting a ton of information at you guys, but I just, I'm so passionate about it. And I think it's important. Get a script partner. And if you want to get really good, don't just get one a week and say, oh, I have a partner and we're practicing. Like, yes, you could have one, one a day. But I had somebody look at me one time and say, hey, I'm going to crush it. I'm going to be so much better than you. And I'm going to get a script partner. And I said, great. I hope you do. That's going to be so awesome. I said, and the thing is, you really need to practice. And they said, awesome. So I'm going to get that script partner. I said, good. I said, when are you going to talk to them? They said, I'm going to talk to them once a week. I said, well, maybe that's the question you should have asked. They said, what? You should have asked me how many I have. And they said, oh, I said, and then you should have asked me how often I talk to them. So at one point I had five script partners a day. So it depends on how good you want to get at something. Figure out what one thing you want to get good at, whether it's time blocking, whether it's scripts, whether it's client events, pick just one. You don't have to be a master of everything. I've done this for 16 years. When you get out into this business, pick one thing to be good at. Focus on that, beat it till you're blue in the face, and then move on to the next thing. Do nothing else until you master that. Very good. Good advice. Uh, and, and that's the key to mastery, isn't it? Doing something over and over again. And that's why you've taken that bold class 15 times. Yes. And you've, you've got all these script partners, five of them. It's not that you're a slow learner. That was a funny joke. It's that you're a master. You're going in for all the uniqueness, this, the particular little uh, differences between success and failure. And uh, I really commend you for that. I think that's pretty cool. But what I want to do, because I know we're, we've got a little time limit here, so I want to move on and talk about uh, your success with repeat and referrals because you've got a huge repeat and referral database yeah. that's working for you. I think it's about 80% of your business. So let's jump into that. My first question for you is how big is the database of people that you have in there for repeat and referrals, past clients, sphere of influence? Oh, so the database currently is a bane of my existence. I am nothing if not honest, always. Uh, so we're merging everything. We have a company called Brivity that's great, but Keller Williams has created this amazing new platform called Command. So we want to be on Command and up and running fully by the first of the year. So I've just hired a database manager because this is not in my wheelhouse to sit down and do this to scrub everything and make sure we get all the duplicates out and everything else. We thought we had 6,700 people in our database. And this morning I got a text saying there was 13,000 and change that she's working through. Wow. So um, between all the other things that we pulled it from constant contact and you know, that's not even including Facebook. So um, that's huge. So currently I thought it was 6,700. I'm sure it's a lot more than that yet. I know there's duplicates. So we have people on drip campaigns. Our immediate database, that's our A-plus clients that we do all these client events for, um, that, that is 1,300 and change. So, and that's all our past clients. But we also have in there a few, like we have a bunch of people that are ambassadors, we call them, because they may have never done a deal with us, but they send us so many referrals. Like, our, our favorite hairdressers and a bunch of our favorite contractors and you know they may never do a deal with us because they don't need to buy or sell but they tell everybody and their brother because they know what the service that we provide our goal is to be the disney of real estate so what i heard there is that you have a, a large database of leads you generate all kinds of generic leads that have come in over the years and that's a huge database maybe thirteen thousand. but out of that just one in ten the list of 1,300 is really your core list that you're yes. working, and that's where the majority of the referrals are coming from. Am I understanding that correctly? Correct. Okay, and then, and then in there you even have these superstars, these ambassadors that are yep. bringing in uh, even more referrals, and they, don't, they haven't even done a transaction with you. Let's talk about that group and how you're staying in touch with them. So could you outline for us what your annual marketing plan is? to your past clients, your sphere of influence to get these repeating referrals? What's your annual marketing plan? Could you just kind of step it out for us? 
So we need to get better with, I have some friends, Jenny Wallach uh, in Tulsa is amazing. And she does a great job with her database and her, they call it a 36 touch plan at Keller Williams. So that's email and postcards and everything else. We're getting better with that. That is not what we're best at. What we're best at is that live contact with people, making the phone calls, talking to them, having the client events. Um, and social media, we're amazing at with, you know, all our posts, we, we do three to five posts a day on all forms of social media. Um, we do Instagram stories and we try to be funny about it because that's how people are watching. They like to know they want to work with people they have a good time with. Um, the other thing is the, our marketing plan, what we do for those top people is we'll have A plus events too. We'll have the generic you know, anybody that's been a client event, come to our pie event. We can't wait to have you. We also do our charity events that we do as well, um, which includes, you know, connect, connecting and collecting toys for Connecticut Children's Medical Center. Um, we've done cell phones for seniors because cell phones always work for 911, even if you don't have a plan. So we could collect old cell phones. We um, are sponsors at the Dog Star Bark and Brew and a ton of different charity events. Then we do community events with the TSA PreCheck. For A-plus clients, we do things like this. Um, these people on this one event in particular, it's my favorite event we've ever done. And it was pretty costly. It's before I had any sponsors, too, because I didn't realize I could have helped offset some of those costs. Um, but there's something in Connecticut called the Polar Express. And I know that a, a large majority of our clients are family. Um, and, and, or, you know, they could also be people that just like doing these types of things too. So the Polar Express comes to the Essex steam train every December and Santa comes and, you know, they sing and dance and have cookies and all sorts of stuff. In August, these tickets go on sale and they usually sell out within two days. So, um, what we had done was we were on the phone first thing in the morning, as soon as they opened, we got the most expensive train cars and we bought two train cars. Um, so we bought the entire train car, um, two of them. Then what we did was to our A plus clients, they had to either refer or do at some point, at least four pieces of business with us to get on the train. So at a minimum, they're looking at, you know, if the average commission in Connecticut is 200,000, ours is actually about 275. Um, but the average in Connecticut is about 200. So let's say that's $20,000 for a family to go. What we did was we sent them each a telegram and invited them to the Polar Express with us. And then we got them to go come back to us. We, everything is about the detail to create the client experience in my book. So we want the details matter from knowing their name to knowing their address. It's just like Disney, right? So we then got the sizes of all their children. We packaged them beautifully and we hand delivered pajamas to each one of their kids a week before the train. Then we invited them on the train. We gave everybody a book. When they got on the train, we had a photographer on the train. And when they were done, um, a week after, we sent them each a glass ornament with a picture of their family in it as a thank you. Wow. That's quite an event. How many people did you end up inviting? Uh, 120. How many people showed up? 120. <laughs> wow. Well, oh, my goodness. The There's and a lot of people that will argue with you and say, hey, you know, I'm not going to have an event where 20% doesn't show up. And I say, well, here's the thing. So you invite that. And yes, there's always going to be, what, 10% fallout or something like that. Somebody gets sick, something happens. I refuse to have anything not paid for. So if I had a couple people fall out because somebody was sick, I then called and I prospected until I found other people. They might not have even been our A-plus people. They could have closed that year, but I knew they were a family that would have appreciated this. I would how not much have did that have been empty. I'm sorry. How much did that event cost you? Um, Six or seven thousand dollars. How much? Six or seven thousand oh, dollars. I thought you said sixty-seven thousand. No, no, no. Okay, six or seven thousand dollars, and yeah, I, I think the train was like three thousand a car, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, very nice. And then, um, did you receive referrals back from that event, either immediately or immediately after? Generally, from any one of our events, we typically get the low end would be three referrals. That would be the low end. The last Are those closed event, referrals? What's that? The, when you say referral, three referrals, is that three closed referrals? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The so that easily get, pays for the cost of the event. Yeah. The referrals we get from these guys, they don't typically not close. So 
Um, the last event we did was in July and we did the Lion King premiere. So I always like to one up my game. And this, you know, we invited anybody that was a past client. Um, it was, I think we had like 125 people there. Wasn't a huge, huge event, but you know, Connecticut people kind of run away in July because it's finally nice weather. So they're on vacation. <laughs> and it was the time of year that it was coming. So I always want to one up my events and do the client experience to the, the nth degree if I can do it. So we made little, and we negotiated with the theater to say, hey, we're going to hand them tickets. So if you don't get a Star Realty Group ticket, we did it early in the morning, so they didn't have other people there yet. If you don't get a Star Realty Group ticket, we don't have to pay, right? So we're not just booking the theater. And because they didn't have anybody else, they ended up giving us the bigger theater, which was great. And they said, yeah, that's fine. Don't worry about it. So be smart with how you're negotiating with these vendors. They also offered to put our advertising up on their screen for the week because we said we would cross promote their theater on all our social media and they saw what we did. So that was great. We made these cute little bags. Cute little bags. We stuck candy in them, which we probably shouldn't have because they were at the theater, but I, I like to save money and leave with revenue too. Um, and then we gave everybody a certificate for popcorn and soda. Not everybody took it. So we also negotiated with the theater. Hey, if they don't take it, we're going to pay for the tickets that you receive from us. And we kept a checklist as they went through, right? So we double checked everything. So now how could I one up this event? Well, the funny thing is, and I waited because I was terrified till like two days beforehand. This was a Lion King movie, right? So Pumbaa, the original Pumbaa happens to live in my town. So indirectly, I know him through other people. And I asked a friend of mine to make a phone call and ask if he would happen to come and sign autographs and whatever else. And the answer was, oh, I'm so sorry. He's Ernie's away for the weekend. He can't make it. And I said, you know what? That's not a problem. So this is my lesson in this one. Never take no for no. Take it as a maybe. So I said, that's not a problem. I just wanted you, if you could just let him know how grateful I am to him for considering it. It means the world to me. Um, please tell him if something changes in his plans, come, his wife is welcome. He's welcome. We'd love to even have him there. Happy to pay him. or just happy to have him come and be there. You know, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. And it truly is. And I said to my girlfriend, Colleen, that I had asked, I said, Colleen, you're welcome to come too. I know it's last minute. I should have asked before. I just, you know, it came to me last night and I thought I'd just ask because I was terrified to ask. So then I thought of that saying, ask and it is given, right? 10 minutes later, we're driving back from Maine. I get an email. Ernie says he's in. I'm like, what? So how do I one up my event? I had Pumbaa from the Lion King come. And he literally signed autographs. He introduced our realty group. And he and I sang Hakuna Matata with the entire crowd. And then he sat next to me for the whole movie watching the Lion King with me. I literally could have cried. I was like, this is so great. And the best part, Mike, when he walked into the theater, he goes, Jess, I met you 15 years ago when you were a young agent at Prudential. Everybody has the nicest things to say about you. I've been to so many of your open houses. Cheryl and I need to sell our house, and you're the only one we want to do it. <laughs> you are the Disney real estate. Ah, oh, he was my first referral. <laughs> That's great. That is fantastic. What a great story. Thank you for sharing that. Now, I, I got to ask, what are those things behind you? You're going to be doing an event here coming up. What is the event? Oh, so we're doing, um, as I get, I'm clearly get distracted. Uh, we're doing a corn maze at this great little place that's in Southwick. And so shop around, guys. Here's the thing. If you get, you can always get discounts. I used to do events for the radio station, too. Talk to the people that own it because you can also cross market them. You can always get discounts on events um, when you have multiple people coming in. So make sure you let them know that. See if they have a designated area you could bring your people to. So we found this great little spot. They had opened it up. It was where we always got our flowers from all year. And, but they had opened it up in the back and there's corn maze. They made a little fairy trail. There's a um, hayride. You can go pick pumpkins. They have food trucks. They set up all these games and a bounce house and there's a wigwam and there's pedal cars and just fun stuff a beautiful fall day in new england is what it is so i was there with my family and i looked at my husband and i go this is our next client event this is great i was like even if you're an older couple like it's fun to go through the corn maze and do the rubbings and so we're gonna do that on sunday we're getting a bunch of apple cider donuts and we're doing fall up right and we're bringing some cider so always also just check you know 
hey, can we bring in food? They have food trucks. So we couldn't really do the food because there's multiple like we normally do. So I wanted to bring something. Um, we're throwing some water in the bag. I don't know, you know, kind of like our candy. Uh, <laughs> so the bags, we just have these grocery bags made that are great. So these are going to go out to each one of our clients, which is awesome. And then inside it, we're going to put, we have our attorney is giving, um, you know, one of his cups for putting candy packages back there. We have koozies, we have, um, pens, other cups, some hats, some glasses. So they're all going in the bag and they can also use that bag to carry their pumpkins home in that they get to take with them. You know, get pumpkins for every one of the kids. Um, so it's just a super fun day that we get to reconnect with people. And the thing is, it's not even about how many people come to these events. What happens is it's more about the activities before and after. Like, hey guys, did you love this event? We're so sorry we missed you. Can't wait for the next one. Sometimes we tie a charity to the events too. This one we're not, we just wanted it to be easy peasy, come on in. Um, but I think it's just, I want to create an experience for my clients because I think it's huge. I read a book called The Experience and it's by all the people at Disney. Um, they have an abbreviation called I Care. And they said in 2020, the client experience is going to outweigh cost. It's going to outweigh everything else. So what are you doing to stand out from the crowd? and creating a client experience like no other. You know, when they come to our event, what we're also gonna have in this bag, we're gonna make sure everybody has their own name tag that we've pre-printed for them with their address on it. It's about the details, no matter what. So it's about the packaging, it's about the details. When you send them the invite, how does it look? When you make the call, what does it sound like? Think about when you go to Disney, when you ask them directions, they point with two fingers. It's neuro-linguistic programming. They say words in a certain manner, so that you elicit an emotion. When you walk down Main Street, you smell cookies flowing through the air. There's a reason they're creating emotions and feelings. So that's what we want to do with our business. And if I can take these people that have trusted me with the biggest investment in their life and then create client experiences for them for the rest of their life, my goal is that they'll want to keep, you know, giving us their business because they know how much we care about them. That is so, fantastic. Jessica, uh, I want to switch gears again. I want to talk about your team. So uh, tell me real quickly, the or like an organizational chart of your team. Who's on the team? Well, we've gotten a team where we got it really, really big at one point, And then we had to get it really small. Because the, being big with a lot of members does not mean being successful. And yes, we had a lot of production. But it doesn't mean everybody had a lot of production. And it was a lot of extra work. So right now we have a transaction coordinator. Um, we have a listing coordinator. We have three. We're making an offer to a fourth agent. Um, we had another agent who needed to go do his own thing um, just this week. So we will be back to four agents as well. And then um, we also have a, a database manager we just hired. Because and we need a database where we need it. How big was the team? You said it got really big. How big? 16 people. 16 people. And today you're at what, maybe six? Yep. And why, what happened? Give us a couple of particulars. Why did you shrink the team down? What happened? People would like to know that. You know, I think you hit it. Culture is everything. And I think there's sometimes culture mismatches. And I think what happens is, People like being in production and we have hired people that were lovely people and sometimes if somebody else is in production and they're not, you know, it's tough not to be jealous. This is a really tough industry. But what I found is when people weren't a fit for the team in the end, a lot of times it was a mismatch in one of the values. We look for three things and it's grit, hustle, and heart. None of those things can be taught. And people can fool you for a really long time with having them. And that must have been very difficult to make those decisions. Now, did those people leave on their own or did you ask them to go? It was a combo. And some of them, that was their only option. Yeah, that must have been difficult. Did you, do you create minimum production standards or something that you can use as a reason? Yes, ideally, that's what we do. Except the one difficult thing is when people are, and I'm sure we all struggle with this, I have a soft spot for people that are going through 
stuff personally in life. So if they have, you know, sick parents, if they have marriage things, if they have whatever it is, being a leader in that aspect, I have a hard time sometimes keeping people accountable to those things when I know how difficult it can be on the other side. But accountable people want to be accountable no matter what. And that's what I need. I needed to realize and I needed that lesson. And that's why we had to make the changes we did. So thank, I thank did eventually, <laughs> but it was painful. Yeah, I'm sure it was, but it was the right thing to do. And thank you for sharing. Now, uh, people have been listening to you. They've got kind of an idea of your practice and how it's working. You've got a lot of things going on there. And they're going to have a question. That is, are you profitable? Oh, um, yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned earlier it's kind of key. Uh, could you give us an idea of uh, a profit percentage that you're trying to shoot for or that you've achieved? We'd like to be above 40% profitability, which is actually high. That's pretty high. Yeah, for a team that size. Mm -hmm. uh, were you able to achieve that? We do very well. Okay. I appreciate the, you know, sharing that with us. How about uh, this? Uh, my question for you is, you know, you're doing a lot. You've got a lot of energy. What drives you? What drives me is I want to be as profitable as we can be because I have a lot of little people that look up to me and our clients' little people look up to me as well, as do our team members. And here's the thing. In the end, what I want to do is be able to give back in a really big way. So we do a lot of charity events, and I can't do that unless we make a lot of money and help a lot of people, right? So the goal is to keep serving at an exceptionally high level keep doing it smart. We always watch our dollars and cents. So like I said, when I'm doing these client events, I'm being smart about it. I'm never going to have an empty seat no matter what. Even if this person hasn't done business, maybe they're a friend of mine, but you know what? They're a single mom and like their kids would really appreciate it. Well, I already paid for this. They're invited. We're going to get them to go. You know what? They're still going to become a cheerleader, aren't they? So I've never had an empty seat. So those are uh, things to keep in mind too. I always negotiate on everything. I mean, I, I'm not the agent that buys the shiny things. Like, hey, this new product is amazing and then I tell everybody about it. I don't do that. I've never done that. And I, I've actually been told like, hey, you're being cheap, you should go do this. I'm like, no, I'm actually being smart because I'm analyzing what I think would be the best fit. And you don't have to spend a ton of money to make a ton of money, but you do have to treat people really well and know, let them know you care more than they even think you possibly could. So, you know, sometimes it comes down to we're really profitable, but you know what? There's been times, plenty of times I haven't taken a commission and plenty of times I've paid for somebody's water heater or paid for whatever, because that's, what's going to make the deal happen. And in the end, that's what the client needed because they either didn't have the funds, they weren't capable of doing whatever it was. And it wasn't about the money. It was about the client. So care more about your clients and you care about your dollar and you're going to not have to worry about the dollars again. Uh, very good. I, I think you might have answered one of my next questions. That is this. If you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? That's the biggest thing, honestly. Even when I did the two condos at $140,000, I cared more about the people. Learn how to care more about people than you care about the money. And be smart with your money at the same time. Always watch your dollars and cents. So, you know, sometimes we have these little fees we don't even think about. Make sure you keep a profit and loss statement. You know, I know that sounds silly when you're a brand new agent, but you can easily keep a spreadsheet of your expenses to just start off, right? Keep that, set up three bank accounts. Um, at least to start, I would set up three bank accounts. There are, I would read Profit First. That is a great book. I would read The Four Laws of Financial Prosperity. I would read The Experience and The Millionaire Real Estate Agent, of course. That's, a, that's truly the roadmap if you want to have a big business. I remember reading that the first time and your mind will be blown because you're like, this, I mean, I'm not even here. I'm just going to sell some houses and call this a day. <laughs> and then you think about it and you're like, well, if I leveraged out a little bit here and I leveraged out a little bit there. And, and yes, it's a tough concept because you think, well, then I'm giving them a portion of my commission, right? Or you might have somebody you hire that then goes, well, I'm only making 50%, and that's not fair. And you think 50% of something you never had, and you're not paying for any of the expenses or any of the marketing or the branding or the, you know? So being able to tie those two thoughts together and getting the right person to have that synergy 
being willing to trust that person to give them your best friend and know that they're going to be handled in the way that you would service them to your standards and your brand that you've created. One other tip I would give somebody, a lot of the teams that I see that are created have the last name, just like mine, Star Realty Group, right? I, my maiden name was C-Slack. I would have never used C-Slack Realty Group, okay? <laughs> Star, I use simply because Star is kind of an awesome name. So here's the thing. If you're going to ever form a team, I would also never use your name. I would actually make it general because the one thing that kind of stinks about it is you're always the one that they're going to look for. Instead, if you had just the brand, well, then they, they want to know they want the home team experts, right? So that's one other thing that I think if I did something differently, it would be the only thing. Yet, I love the name and branding is so awesome and the marketing is so awesome with the name that I kind of have to do it. We use our five-star promise, you know, when we sit down and tell them we want our reviews and we are going to give them five-star service. So we want our five-star reviews. So we work all those things in with our script as well. Very nice. Very nice. Well, I, this has been a lot of fun, Jessica, but I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? I would just say, you know, if you're a brand new agent out there and if you're a seasoned agent, sometimes, you know, you get, you get to the point of frustration or you get to the point where you're tired and you're like, gosh, I just feel like I'm hustling and something is not happening or like the market is shifting and it's really easy to get in a negative mindset, right? There's just inches between a rut and a grave, they say. And, you know, you can stay in that negative mindset and you can be with all the other fish that are in that negative mindset because there's a lot of them and they're going to try to keep you down and they're going to try to pull you down. And sometimes you have people in your life, sometimes it's your friends, sometimes it's your family, that when you start getting successful, it's very hard for them to see that. And they want to keep you right where you were, right? See, they might keep pulling you back because they're actually nervous and they're worried that you're going to do something. And it's, they're doing it because they want to protect you. But understand in order to grow, sometimes it's scary and sometimes you're going to be fearful, but take the step anyway and do it. If you're scary, if you're scared, if you're fearful, you should probably do it. That's probably your gut telling you you should do it. So take the step and do it. Make sure that you always prospect, you know, your dollars and cents. If you're in a negative mindset, watch the words you say to yourself, watch the words you say to other people and really think about what you're saying because what you say to yourself happens. I'm a big believer in the power of the secret and intentionality and in the words that you use. Practice gratitude and affirmations. It's going to feel super, super corny when you do it. Really corny. You're like Jack Handy. Like, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And gosh darn it, people like me. But when you start doing these things, eventually your cells eavesdrop on your thoughts and you start believing them. So, you know, and other people will start believing them too by the energy you put out. Everything is about energy. So just know when you show up in the day, you could be having a bad day. You know, I had plenty of bad days with my husband's accident and my dad. And we had, that wasn't the only things that happened. We had plenty of other stuff. And yet I choose to be grateful and look for the lessons and know that I was given those lessons, even as hard as they were, because I'm here to help other people. And I know there's a bigger purpose. So what's your purpose? What's your passion? Find your big why. Very good. Well, Jessica, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for coming in and talking with us today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. We're happy to help any of your Connecticut or lower Massachusetts referrals. Call us anytime. Uh, can I do my shameless plug? Yes, please. 860-325-2484. Uh, you can find us at starrealtygroup.com, three R's in a row. And we're on Facebook, backslash Star Realty Group. Find us on Instagram, Star Realty Group CT. We have some fun Insta stories and IGTV and whatnot. And we'd love to connect with you love to follow you. And if I can ever help you guys with any classes, tips or tricks, reach out to me anytime. Uh, very nice, Jessica. Thank you so much. Well, that's it for now. Thanks for joining us on Success Calls. Keep moving forward. Bye. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV.
R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at freeleadtime.com. That's freeleadtime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.